paying off over $120,000 in student loans. That's what we talk about with Erica Gellerin coming up in episode 79. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempel, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. Welcome, welcome. Hope your holiday shopping is going well. If you haven't finished already, I am the type of person that leaves it to the very last minute for some reason. That's just me. But if you're listening to this in December, when this is being uh, published, you are definitely in the hustle and bustle of the holidays. So I appreciate you taking time to listen to this. And regardless of when you're listening to it, I really, really appreciate you tuning in. I want to remind you that the Her Money Matters Inner Circle has some open slots, at least at the time of this recording, and you can go to episode 76 to get all the details and to grab your spot. You can go to jenhempill.com forward slash inner circle. Now, I thought for this episode, since it is nearing the end of the year, I wanted to share an inspiring story of a person who paid off a large amount of debt in student loans, the type that when we see those numbers, we think we'll never finish paying them off, right? So in this episode, we'll learn how she paid off that over $120,000 in student loans in three and a half years. She also shares how gratitude helped her in her journey and why her and her husband check their net worth monthly. And that is a good one. So let me share a little bit about Erica Gellerman. Erica is a consultant who helps business owners step into their CEO role to scale their business, increase profitability, and build rockstar teams that help move their businesses forward faster. She has her MBA with a focus in market strategy from Duke University and her CPA license. Her work has been featured in Forbes, Daily Worth, and The Every Girl. She is an expat currently living in London, but her heart will always be in San Francisco. So let's go ahead and meet Erica Gellerman. Welcome, Erica Gellerman, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to talk with you, too. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it's my pleasure because you've definitely got a wealth of knowledge and experience. I can't wait to dig into that and, and get to know you a little better. So I wanted to start off getting to know you, how you grew up around money and your money story. Sure. Yeah. So my money story, I feel like is pretty typical of, um, you know, anyone kind of growing up in just regular kind of middle-class America, both of my parents work, um, they worked really hard. And while money wasn't necessarily flowing, it what we, it wasn't incredibly tight either. We had to be really, really focused on not overspending, but 
it wasn't kind of a day-to-day conversation. So my money story was actually not one that was super focused on money um, as a child. And I'm not sure if my parents did that intentionally or if it's just because, I don't know, they weren't super comfortable talking with it and talking about it. They didn't really talk about it with each other. Um, and so it wasn't a huge part of my life until I think somewhere in middle school when I started to kind of understand that if I wanted to do things like go to, there was a gymnastics camp that I wanted to go to, um, that was going to have an impact. Like I actually couldn't pay for it. And I remember asking my mom like, Oh, I want to go to this gymnastics camp. And she was like, no, it's too expensive. And that was the first time when I was like, Oh wait, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time I'm understanding like, you know, what money really means. And I think that was probably the moment when I started you know, actually taking an interest in money and like wanting to understand like, well, how do you make more money? Well, when you make more money, then do you just buy more things, you know? And so it was, it kind that wanting to go to gymnastics camp and not being able to, um, just kind of sparked this whole like inquisitive kind of search, <laughs> you know, what does money mean? What did, what do you do with it? Like it just hadn't ever really occurred to me before that. And so, um, that, that's really where I, when I started getting interested in money, um, and then it was kind of a path I pursued just throughout my life. I all of a sudden, um, you know, when I went to college, well, I worked in high school and I, I opened up a little savings account and started saving money, not because my parents had told Told me to, but just because from literally that one incident with you know not being able to go to gymnastics camp, I was like, well, I'm going to make I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. <laughs> and then so um, you know I opened up a little savings account in high school. Then one of my best friends in high school, her dad was a stockbroker, which then like it just opened up a whole new world, and I was like, oh my god, what is going on? Um, you mean I can invest money and I can either make it or lose it. And, um, so it was, it was just kind of getting those conversations here and there from other people. And then I think my, my big kind of interest in money came once I went to college and had to actually manage it like on my own and budget, um, you know, as an adult for the first time, you know, at I went to college a little young, so I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really, really decided like, all right, I need to be good at this money thing because (laughs) there are certain things that I want to do. And though my parents were decent with their money, they didn't necessarily talk about it with me. So I need to go figure some things out. So I, um, with my mom's encouragement, she was an accountant. Um, she encouraged me to enroll in some accounting classes and I ended up majoring in economics to understand how world money works. And then, um, after undergrad, I went and got my CPA to focus even more on money. So it's, it was kind of a, it's funny from, you know, a family that didn't ever really talk about money going to, you know, wanting to make a career out of it was such a different kind of, I don't know, path. Right. That is interesting. So they didn't talk about it. You had that aha moment in middle school. Then what do you think from observation? Obviously, you said that your parents didn't talk about it, but you obviously observed some things. So when you got to college and had to do the budget on your own, 
did how did you budget? Did you take some, something from observations that you saw them do, or did you do your due diligence on your own and look into things on how to budget? What did you do at that time? You know, I think it's I never I I don't think it was anything from them to be honest, other than like don't buy what you don't need. That was just kind of like a lesson that they had imparted um, in, in me from a young age, but they never talked about budgeting. So I think when I decided that I needed to budget, it was more out of necessity because I knew I had a fixed amount of money. And I mean, I worked at Jamba Juice making like, I don't know, $6 an hour. So that wasn't going to go very far. So I had to figure out, you know, all right, well, if I'm making $100 this week, like I need to make sure I can pay for all of these different things. Um, and I think I just, through trial and error, started budgeting that way. I didn't have a formal process that I gotcha. went about. Yeah. But you did. And, and that's great that you share that because sometimes budgeting, it can be really super simple, doesn't even have to be the spreadsheet or the fancy software. But it's just especially early on when it's just uh, money, some money coming in and very few bills, it's really much easier to budget. So that's great that you did that. And then you became a CPA, studied economics, all that good stuff. Now, Tell me, and I and I know this because you share this with me, but I'm really, really eager to know. You ended up with a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt that is now paid, and on top of that, you paid that in three and a half years. So, yeah. tell us, walk us through this, please. I am I, eager to know. I will. Okay, so it was actually I went back and checked it. It was well, I didn't have the I don't have the final balance, but it was actually over $120,000 in student loan debt. I know. So I I graduated from from undergrad and I was very fortunate that my parents paid for me to attend a state school. And then, you know, with my kind of side jobs, um, I ended up with no undergrad student loan debt. And so I decided after a few years in the workforce that I really wanted to go back to business school and get my MBA. And, um, I unfortunately fell in love with the only school that didn't offer me any sort of financial help, like no scholarship, no, you know, anything, no grant. Like if you want to come here, you are going to pay the full price tuition. Um, oh, but it was worth it. But, but <laughs> so I, I was, you know, I ended up, yeah, taking out it was over $120,000 in student loan, um, to finance on my own. My, um, I think my interest rate was like Mm 7.8%. So it was like an aggressive interest rate. And when I, I didn't pay anything off while I was in school for those two years. And then when I graduated, I, well, my classmates were, you know, maybe spending their signing bonuses or, you know, buy or like, you know, going and renting nice apartments. I literally put myself back on like, I'm an 18 year old leaving home for the first time again, type budget. So I was making a decent amount of money at that point, but I took, I went, my poor husband, I was married. I I am married. I was married then too. But um, I want to hear about that too. I was going to ask about that too, but yeah. Um, I basically made us, we moved across country from North Carolina to LA for my job. I was determined to find the 
cheapest apartment possible in the safe, in a safe neighborhood. So I ended up finding an apartment for like $1,100 a month, which in LA is that is good. Really, yeah, it was gross, which is why <laughs> it was really gross. So I, you know, was saving money on that. I sold my car and ended up buying a cheaper car um, to try and take a few thousand dollars and put it towards my loan. Um, we got a signing bonus, which most of my classmates, you know, spent. I put it all towards my loan, and then I actually got a small housing stipend Mm -hmm. to help me, um, move to, um, Los Angeles. And I decided to, instead of hire movers or, you know, kind of take the easy way out, I drove myself across country and pocketed the cash. You know, I basically sold all my, sold all my belongings, packed up what I could, drove myself across country, pocketed the cash, and then, you know, bought furniture off. Craigslist. I, I was really, I was trying to be as frugal as possible. And then with every single paycheck, I just prioritized the loan payment. Like, you know, there, there really was no like magic other than I, I probably didn't shop for three and a half years. I don't really shop now anyway, even though it's paid off, but it was just every single dollar that I could, you know, take from my bank account and put towards that loan, I did. So I know a lot of people, you know, just pay whatever the loan payment is. I was looking at my bank account probably every other day and being like, Oh, do I feel like I have a little, you know, did I not spend a lot, you know, last weekend? Yeah. I think I probably spent like $50 less than I normally would. And then I would just transfer $50 from my bank account to my loan. Love it. So it was like just a very conscious, like deliberate, like I'm just going to keep transferring every single dime that I can, because if it's not in my checking account, I can't spend it. So it's just going to go to this loan. I love that you did that. And you mentioned something, I think it was about saving or not spending that money um, I don't, I think you mentioned something about going out to eat or something like that, but that you intentionally, you didn't leave it there, but you intentionally just moved it to pay uh, for the student loan. And I love that because one thing that I see a lot of people do is they pride themselves, let's say on saving, um, X amount of money, whether they go clothes shopping or whether they use coupons, but that money is left there in the account and it disappears. So, I love, absolutely love that you did that because that definitely helped. And can you tell me a little bit about what was going on in your mind as well? Because I know I have people that I work with that are in student loan debt for over a hundred thousand dollars. And it's like, it's, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? So what was going on through your mind as you were paying this? Obviously you were, or you were just doing everything that you could to pay it off. But I want to get an insight of what was going on in your mind. Yeah. So there was a lot of, um, I think, guilt in my mind, which maybe fueled me to want to pay it off more, uh, to pay it off quickly. And I, I can sympathize with the no light at the end of the tunnel feeling, because when I first graduated, you know, my first couple months, looking at it, I was like, there's, you know, the interest is just so high. I'm never, ever going to be able to chip away at this thing. But God, going through my mind was just that I, I, so this loan was my own burden. I didn't want to burden my husband with it because we got married right when I graduated from business school. So, Mm -hmm. um, we were in a very lopsided financial situation and I didn't want him to have to carry any of that burden. 
And so I think that was one of the things that just really propelled me to just get super scrappy. And every single dollar that I didn't spend went to it. And to be honest, it probably took, I probably didn't feel momentum really until like two years in mm-hmm. when I then finally saw like, okay, like this feels a little bit better. Um, but it took a, two years to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And by then I was more than halfway through my, mm-hmm. you know, loan repayment journey. It was, it's, it's really hard mentally to be in that much debt because you feel like it's weighing on you. Oh, I'm sorry. And I forgot the one thing I did too. This is so, I'm very much not like, a, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of like affirmations that I say, mm-hmm. but this was one thing that I did every time I paid my loan payment was when I paid it, I just thought to myself every single time I paid it, even if I was putting like an extra, you know, $50 from, you know, saving money on something, I would just say like, I'm so grateful that I was able to go and get this education. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to go and get this education, you know, and right. I just that every single time I paid it because I never wanted to be in that place of like, oh, I shouldn't have done this because that gets you in a downward mental spiral. Absolutely. I love that you said that. That is wonderful because I know, and that's what I see people do as well as the regret. Um, yeah. But sometimes it's like, what's done is done. Don't look back. Just look yeah. forward. Keep pressing. Take action. Because uh, yeah. there's nothing more detrimental that you can do than have that regret. That regret is going to keep you back. And you saying those that affirmation, uh, definitely, I can see why that helped you so much. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even realize that. But yes, that is definitely what helped. Wonderful. Now, what about your husband? I know you mentioned you didn't want to have that burden or give him that burden. What was, you know, tell us about his side as far as Apparently he was very supportive (laughs) from what I see, but did he, you know, you got married right after you said graduate school. Uh, He knew probably that you had that debt and was there any disagreement was, or was it just, he was very supportive. I'm going to help you through this or tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I was really maybe too stubborn, not too stubborn, but I felt very stubborn about I didn't want him to help me at all through it. So I didn't want any of his money going towards my loan, which I'm not really sure why I felt that way. I just did. But you know what? It's because he also went, we went to business school together, but his company paid for his business school. Um, And I just felt like it would have been unfair for, I don't know. Anyway, um, so he he was really supportive. He's I think very frugal by nature. Um, so when I was like, we are moving into this apartment and it has bugs and dirty carpet, but it's $1,100 a month or yeah, $1,100 a month. And it's going to be fine. He was like, all right, that's fine. Um, do whatever makes you happy. Basically was his kind of like saying the only time it, it, there was tension, um, in this whole loan repayment process was, um, about, two years in to my role in LA, his company transferred him to London. And so there was kind of that question, 
in the air, like, well, what now, what do I do? Because I have this loan that I need to continue paying off. Um, but that was the only time that there was like, there was friction about the loan, um, and what it meant. And finally he was like, we can't, I can't, we can't let this opportunity, this career opportunity, like not happen because you're letting yourself be held back by this debt. Like we just have to go forward and we'll figure it out and it will be okay. Right. And I appreciate that one Uh, I know you mentioned you're stubborn. I'm stubborn too. But (laughs) you did this based on like your income, none of his. I appreciate that he was frugal because that's why I was curious. Like did that, like you had to be obviously on the same page (laughs) uh, for you to accomplish this. And then some, you know, and uh, usually in a, in a couple situation, there's usually one spender, one saver. Uh, and so the, it was like, if he liked to spend and have nice things, that would probably cause some tension or uh, having to have those discussions again. But definitely, I appreciate that. And then his job took you to, Lo- to London. So at that time, you were still paying. That was two years in. So at that yeah. time, that's when you started to see the effect of all the hard work you put in. Uh, so how did that affect things as far as terms income for you? Yeah, you move so, all the way across the world. Exactly. Yeah. And I left my job um, in London. So I kind of hit the ground running um, looking for a new corporate job when I got to London. And so I found one um, and ended up working there for about six months, but being terribly, terribly unhappy. And so I realized that I was still making the same amount and making the loan payments. And I was still able to kind of do what I was doing in LA, but in a new country. But I was personally just really unhappy because of the work environment that I was in. So then I needed to I knew I wanted to leave and do something on my own, but I still had this loan pain payment hanging over me. And Mm -hmm. so I just, I went, I started my own consulting business, but I knew that I had to, from the very beginning, match my income. I had some savings, which I leaned on, um, to pay my loan during the first few months, but it was really, um, I think because I had seen the light at the end of the tunnel and had been so stubborn for so long, it really kicked my butt to like go out there and probably hustle and take jobs that maybe weren't ideal. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, kind of do whatever I could to just keep the dollars flowing in and make sure that I could still make every single loan payment plus some, and it was different. It was definitely very difficult, but there were some months where I was able to pay a lot. And there were some months where I was like barely, you know, scraping by in order to get that payment in. Right. This is, I'm sorry, this is just so impressive because one, you start off paying, you have a a very stable job. You move across all the way to London. (laughs) Uh, Yes, you get a corporate job that was paying well. You weren't happy. You left that corporate job. Then you hustled your way to match that income to be able to continue doing what you were doing with your student loan. 
Now that yeah. that is just so impressive, and I give all the kudos and the fist bumps and the virtual high fives. That is amazing. I mean, you have thank to be proud you. of yourself for sure. Thank you, thank you. I think it was just if I hadn't had that momentum before coming over here, I may have wanted to give up or you know extended my loan term or something. But I just I felt like I couldn't. I had come so far, I couldn't give up. Like I had to do it. So awesome. I love this. I love this. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to know a little bit about how you manage your uh, finances at home. So you're married now. Uh, do you have like a certain system do you use? Do you use a spreadsheet? Do you use software, paper and pencil? What? How, tell us like in a 30 day span, like what is it that you do? Do you sit down with your husband and talk about the finances? What What does that look like for you? Yeah. So we're pretty old school. We don't have a, well, we do have one spreadsheet, but, um, so we kind of know what our, what we should be spending monthly. So we kind of, we, when we look at our budget, we sat down and said, you know, we want to save this much, much each month. And that's the first thing we sat down and kind of figured out. And then we set up an automatic payment or automatic withdrawal from our savings account to do that. Um, and then into our savings account, I'm sorry. And then, um, we have a pretty good idea of what we'd like to spend each month. So like what our target is to spend each month um, on, you know, rent, on food, on going out, on traveling, um, because we're trying to take advantage of traveling a lot over here. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that is the, we basically zero out our checking account every single month. Um, And so we don't really track it, but Mm -hmm. we, I mean, we track it informally. Like we yes. both log into our checking account probably, I don't know, three or four times a week mm-hmm. just to see what the balance is, see where we're going. But we kind of have a sense like I know, you know, I we know we can spend this much each week on groceries. We know we can go out to eat and spend approximately this much. And we just kind of keep that like mental tab running. Mm-hmm. But there have been definitely some months where you know, we have seven days left in the month and we're like, well, we have enough money to buy like bread basically. (laughs) And we have to do that. Um, so we kind of take a bit of, I don't know, maybe that's an old school approach, but then we do have a spreadsheet and every single month we sit down and we look at our net worth. Mm -hmm. I Um, love that. You mentioned the word net worth. Yay. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) And so we we set goals usually at the beginning of the year, like where we want to be um, with our our, uh, net worth. It sounds so fancy when you (laughs) use the word net worth, but basically what we want to have at the end of, you know, each year. And so monthly we just look, sit down, we have a spreadsheet, a running spreadsheet. We just sit down and look at our investment accounts and look at our savings and see where we are and how we're doing against our goal for the year. I love that. And I'm glad you that you brought up that you check, you say monthly that you check your net worth because a lot of people are afraid of that net worth, especially if they have debt, but you have to start <laughs> somewhere. You have to know where you're at to be able to improve that. So I love that you check it, that you have like on a yearly basis, you have those goals on where you want your net worth to be and, uh, and I'm sure some other goals as well. So I love that you share that. Now, yeah. What would you say? I, I'm sure one of your proudest money moment is paying that hundred thousand dollars, over a hundred thousand dollars in student loans. Do you have any other proud money moments that you'd like to share? 
Yeah, so that is definitely my proudest money moment. <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> I would have chosen it for you. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, you know, I have to say my other proudest money moment is just is through that whole process of debt repayment. I now really am hyper aware of what makes me happy mm-hmm. with money. You know, what I can buy that makes me feel good, and what I should not spend my money on. So I feel like I through the whole debt repayment process, really now know how to use money. So it, it brings me the things that I want, but not feeling like I buy random things to keep up with the Joneses. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. You're you're very intentional with your spending and you look at your values. It sounds like, and if it's aligned with your values, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so important. It's become like a, like just an automatic thing now. Awesome. I love that. And who would you say influenced you the most in the area of money? Um, I would say my grandparents probably because my parents didn't really talk about money Mm -hmm. and my, my grandparents didn't either, but they were that, you know, depression era, um, couple who was extremely frugal, but they, not just being frugal, they also invested really well. And once I started understanding money, once I got to, you know, a certain age where I understood what was going on, I was able to see that even though, you know, my grandpa had a really modest salary, um, my grandma was a stay at home um, mom, um, and raised the three kids, like they were able to do really quite well for themselves just Mm -hmm. by investing. Um, in different things that came about. And so watching them has been a really big influence in my life. And I think that's why I look at my net worth monthly, because I kind of think about, you know, what they did and how they invested and how they watched it grow. You know, my grandpa's 90 now. So how he, you know, how, how he managed his money for 90 years. Oh, that is so awesome. I Thanks for sharing that. This has been fabulous. Um, I really, really have enjoyed this. Now, as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because all women should know how to spend their money. So whether it's spending it on, you know, things like um, that make you happy or education or what every woman should really feel comfortable knowing how to spend their money. Love it, Erica. This has been fabulous. I appreciate your time sharing your story. uh, And I really, really enjoyed getting to know you even better. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Erica as much as I enjoyed getting to know her. And I wanted to share a little bit more of my thoughts on this interview. But first, I want to give a shout out as usual to one of our members in our community. Her name is Heidi. Heidi in our group has shared so much from her experience, her lessons. Uh, in our group. And I definitely think we can all learn from her. I definitely have learned from her. And I know you come to me for advice, for me, for guidance, but that doesn't mean I'm not learning from you as well. So I wanted to give her a shout out and just to thank you, Heidi, for sharing all that you have shared. I know you consider yourself painfully practical, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, there is something that I know I have taken away and that others can take away as well from you. So thank you. Keep on sharing. And I am so happy to have you in here. So now, 
as far as today's chat with Erica, I wanted to share this particular interview at this time of the year because this is a time of the year that it's cr- crazy busy with the holidays. We're spending, we may be getting into more debt. We're also looking at what we have achieved, what we haven't achieved. We're looking at maybe uh, having accumulated more debt, those type of things. And I wanted to share with this uh, interview with you as for inspiration, because she had over $120,000 in student loans, which is a pretty good chunk for student loans. I'm sure there's others that have more, but for some, that amount is like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. So knowing that she was able to pay it off, she paid it off in three and a half years. She shared with us what she did. I wanted it to serve for you as inspiration, no matter if you have student loans or other types of debt that you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Just you have to search for it. You can't give up. So hopefully you enjoyed that interview. I just wanted to share that little tidbit. Now, please definitely connect with Erica. You can go to her website at ericagellerman.com. So that is ericagellerman.com. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Erica for joining us, for being so transparent, for sharing everything that you shared, Erica. It was amazing. So you can check out Erica, as I mentioned, at ericagellerman.com, or you can find all her information at our show notes at jenhemphill.com forward slash 79. So that's jenhemphill.com forward slash 79. Next week on episode 80, we'll be talking to Shannon McLay, and she actually has a financial fitness gym. So we will hear more about that and learn about her. So look for that in episode 80 next week. So thanks again for joining me and I'll talk to you next Thursday. 